0: Thank you, Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for fulfilling your promise. You said wherever two or three gathered in your name, you'll be there also. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who fills this room. But more than this room, he fills our temple, fills our bodies, our spirit, our soul with his presence. Thank you, because wherever your spirit is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, because even when we walk into this place, sometimes with bondages, when we walk into your presence, we experience freedom, deliverance, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. 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 Be still and know that I am God, he says. Be still and know that I am God, he says. Be still and know that I am God. God over your situations. God over your troubles. God over your trials and tribulations. God over your physical afflictions. I'm God. I'm God. I'm God, he says. I'm God. I'm God.
1: Hallelujah.
0: God over your battles and your struggles and your... Weaknesses And I'm God over all of that. He says. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord.
1: Yes. Great. Hallelujah. As we were just worshiping there. I just felt the need to share the scripture in Romans eight. It addresses the spirit and it says, you however are, contr- are, are are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of him, because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive. Hallelujah. Your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you and your body bodies his spirit who, G- who, who lives in you. Amen. Amen. We're not controlled by our sinful nature, but we're controlled by the spirit. I just thought somebody needed to hear that. Amen.
0: Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Woo. Man, we need the word
0: of God. <laughs> As a matter of fact, sometimes our services have become void of the word of God and have become more filled with Spectacles and entertainment, and sometimes we give so much to everything else and so little to the Word of God. So every time God impresses in our hearts to read a word, speak a word, it is essential, it is beneficial, it is vital, it gives life to us, the church. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to go straight to the word Isaiah as the children go to their respective areas. We're going to read Isaiah, a couple of verses from Isaiah chapter 14, and then we're going to read a portion of the scripture that Pastor Margie um, read last week in Ephesians chapter 3. So let's go first to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24. Now, I want you to understand, before we read, the context of the scripture has to do with God speaking um, to Israel about an impending judgment that he was going to send upon the nation of the Assyrians. The Assyrian Empire and the nation and its rulers had become... um, a great enemy of the people of God. And they had used their uh, power to suppress, to oppress uh, the children of God, Israel, chosen na- nation of God. And so God speaks within this chapter about this impending judgment that we, he was going to send. How many know that God always fights the battle for his people? See, sometimes we don't win because we're busy fighting what God never called us to fight. There are times when we need to get on our knees and praise. There are times that we need to do warfare. But there are times that we need to be still and believe the promises of God. And God has never, ever... Let his people down when we allow him to fight our battles. The way that we collaborate with God is when we get on our knees and pray. Rather than lose sleep worrying. Amen? A lot of times we lose sleep worrying. And instead of getting on our knees and pray while we lose sleep, we're filling our spirit and our soul with all kind of nonsense. I've come to the conclusion when I lose my sleep... That means it's time for me to get on my knees and to pray. Because that means there's a battle and there's a war to be waged. And so I don't fight with weapons that are carnal. We fight with weapons that are spiritual. Pastor Margie spoke a few weeks ago, if not last week, about how is it that the church has stopped legislating. And so we've allowed the government to legislate, and because the government is legislating, amen. The world is in the predicament that it is is in now. When we when she said about the church legislating, is not us taking over the White House or taking over the House of Congress or taking over, but it is us getting on our knees and praying, because that's the recipe, really, in First Chronicles chapter seven. Verse 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And, and, and do what else? And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. And I will heal the church. And I will heal their family. And I will heal them individually. No. I will heal the land. I'm here to tell you: as prosperous as this nation is, this nation is sick. As modernized as this nation is, and as advanced as it is, and as as powerful as it is militarily, this nation is sick. And it needs someone to intervene. And that someone, Pastor Margie, spoke about the few week, last few weeks is who? The church. See, Jesus Christ ascended, and he's fulfilling his role at the right-hand side of the Father. But he said, don't go and do anything that I've told you to do until you go to Jerusalem and wait. And receive the what? The Holy Spirit. And then he will give you power so that... Not only will you do what I did when I was physically here on earth, but now you will do greater things. That means we would have the power not simply to pray over the sick and over the demon-possessed and get people saved, but we would have the power to change laws. We will have the power to, to place people in government and to remove them. And when I say this, I'm not talking about just voting. I'm talking about the church being on her knees and praying would execute change in every sphere of the earth and of humanity. And so, we are the church. (laughs) Somebody wrote a song. I don't remember how it goes, but it said it's time. It's time to make a change. We are the people who can do it. But we can't do it while we remain busy complaining and critiquing and looking on whom we should point the finger and put the blame. We will make a change when we realize that God has given us a power greater than we would ever can ever imagine and that we have, in a way, stagnated that power because we have been distracted from our purpose and we have been distracted from our call and we're just having church and we have stopped being the church. And so, God speaks to Israel through the prophet. He says, though you have come under this curse and under this oppression because of your disobedience, but the time is coming... When I will execute my purposes and I will execute my judgments upon your enemies. Let me tell you something. God is ready, amen, to straighten up this nation. God is ready to straighten up all the dysfunctional people, amen, that are occupying Places of uh, and positions of authority, God is ready, Amen, to bring a cleansing to the nation. But in order for God to do that, the church has got to get within its proper alignment. It has to, it has to return back to its God given purpose. And God's given purpose is more than just cu- us coming here to, this morning and ha- enjoying a good worship time and hearing a preaching, and then going on and living our lives. For ourselves rather than expending ourselves for his kingdom and for his cause and so the church has a purpose the church has a role these verses refer to the destruction of Assyria but I believe that there's something in these verses that we can use and that are applicable to us as we discover our role our purpose As a church. And I'm here to tell you, we are not Israel, and Israel is not us. Israel is God's chosen people. And God's chosen nation and God chose them not because they were good, not because they were powerful, not because they were intellectual, not because they were better than any other nation. God chose them simply because of his desire to make them a light to the nations. But that's Israel's purpose. The church's purpose goes beyond just being a light to the nation. The church's purpose is about bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And so there's a theology that's going on in this day and age, and I want to forewarn you do not be deceived. It's the theology of the Hebrew roots movement, which is trying to say that everyone who is part of the church must become a Jew. And unless we become Jewish and we follow the Jewish laws given to Moses by God for that people and for that nation, then we're not operating in obedience with God. That is a lie of the enemy. That is a Jewish and Hebrew roots movement. That, together with the one Torah movement, one law movement, which is they give more emphasis to the Torah, the first five books. Of the Bible, than they do to every other book that is part of the whole counsel of God, and so be careful that you are not deceived. It is my duty, it is my responsibility as a pastor, as I become aware of certain movements, Amen, and certain infiltrations of heretic teachings that are trying to, Amen, uh, captivate the mind and confuse the church. It is my duty as a pastor, and it is Pastor Margie's duty as a pastor to teach you and to forewarn you. Be careful. Don't embrace anything that's outside of the full counsel of God. I believe in the Torah, the first five books. I believe that that's what God gave Moses as the law, amen, for him to use as Pastor Margie spoke last week to give structure to a people that had no structure, amen. But I believe that the word of God that was limited to the Torah back then has now expanded and has become a 66 book, amen, that contains the full counsel of God necessary for this generation, and so, anytime someone tries to highlight part of God's word and make it seem more superior than the rest of God's word, that's heresy. I'm warning you right now, that's heresy. And we got to be careful. Don't listen to that nonsense. Anyone, someone tells you, in order for you to be the true church, you got to become Jewish, that's nonsense. That is not in scripture. There's a purpose for the nation of Israel, and there's a purpose for the church. And though they are both ultimately meant to complement and to unite, amen, but that has not happened yet. Because for this moment, for this time when God is working with the church, Israel is blinded because of their choice. They're blinded to the things that have been revealed to us. That's why though we're not better than Israel and Israel is not better than us, we are honored and privileged that God would have chosen us to reveal to us that great mystery that he had hidden throughout all the ages, but has made it manifested now. My God, if you haven't smiled this morning, you ought to smile right now. That's a perfect moment for a smile. As a matter of fact, that's a perfect moment if you want to laugh, laugh. Amen. Let the devil know, amen, that, that no matter what he's trying to make us think we are, amen, we are God's people. Amen. The body of Jesus Christ chosen for such a time as this to do great and mighty deeds, to change history, to change nations, to change governments, and ultimately to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah. We've been going to Isaiah for the last five minutes. Isaiah 14, verse 24. Um. I like this. This is cool. It's part of the modernization that has occurred within the church. But at times it bothers me. Because I feel that we have so much convenience now that we don't no longer carry. And I don't know about you. Maybe it's that, that I'm old school. But I love to hear the... I love that sound some for some reason it it, it makes me feel good when I hear that sound so you could keep it up for today because people didn't know I was gonna say this today but I'm hoping that beginning next Sunday because we even have Bibles in our pews we would teach people how to use the Word of God the Bible amen thank you God for technology (laughs) But I thank you, God, for obedience. Amen. Amen. And so, now, here we go. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. How many know that God thinks he's not just some brainless or Thoughtless. Let me refer let let me rephrase that. He's not a thoughtless being. He doesn't have a brain like we have a brain, because we're physical beings and we have the organ called the brain. He's a spirit being, but he thinks. And when God thinks, he doesn't just think and envisions. His thoughts are accompanied by actions. When God thinks, immediately he acts and he brings it to pass. And though to us it might seem like it took him a long time, to him it happened from the moment he thought it, because he's not constrained by time. He is eternal. See, we are limited and we are constrained and we are governed by this thing called time. But the time will come when time will no longer be. Because then it will only be eternity. I should have just wrote a rap with that <laughs> The time will come when time will no longer be. Because we will be, li- be living in eternity. So, so though we live in time. And we're constrained by time when we speak of god and we hear god speaks to speak to us he does not operate within that realm he is eternal and so when god thinks or when god speaks god does even if to us it took some time so god has sh- sworn surely i have thought so it shall come to pass And I have, as I have purpose, so it shall stand. Now, the reason why I'm using these verses is because I want to speak today, continue what Pastor Margie has begun and what she's going to finish in a few weeks. Amen. Is, is why, what is the purpose of the church? What does it mean to be the church? What function do we have as the church? God had a purpose for the church. He has a plan for the church. And when we speak of church, we're not talking about a building. We're talking about a living organism. Yes, on earth is known as an institution, but in the kingdom of God is known as a living organism, the body of Christ of which Jesus Christ is the head and of which every one of us are members of. So God has a purpose for the church, but I want to let you know you are not the church. You are a temple where God dwells, but you are a member of that body known as the church. So because you on your own are not the church, when God speaks and he lays out a plan for the church, he's not talking about a plan that's individual to Elder Lisa or to Elder Joey or to Pastor Margie or Elder Ron or any one of you. He's talking about a plan that incorporates all of us that are part of the body of Christ. And if we're going to be a living organism, and we're going to take the kingdom of God, and we're going to carry the message of the gospel as the body of Christ, it requires the involvement of all of us to work together. Amen. Contributing our gifts, our functions, our abilities that God has given us into the body so that then the body could function as one. So that's why it is important for us to congregate. It's huge. It's huge that we will congregate. What is the purpose of congregating? How many have been blessed this morning with everything that's going on? Amen. Awesome, right? But you think that the purpose of congregating was just so you could come and, and receive a good blessing and and, 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 and experience joy and, 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 and be excited with what God has done and what God is doing? No, no. The purpose of congregating is God bringing us together so that as one, we would be encouraging one another. We would be edifying one another. We would be learning from one another. We would be equipping each other so that then we can go out and function as the church. Amen. So that's why it is important. Be careful. Be careful, especially with the younger generation today, beginning with young adults and now affecting teenagers. There's a gospel that's being taught today that's heresy. And that is that we no longer need to congregate. And that gospel even speaks negatively about the place where we congregate. And so they're trying to say that God's plan from the beginning was that the church, since the church started in small groups, that God's plan is for the church to return to small groups. But what's happening is the small groups that are forming today, they lack shepherding. Now, when when the disciples... When the disciples, amen, receive the commission, and even after the baptism, the Bible says that they would congregate every Saturday or every Sabbath at the synagogue. Because if we're Judeo-Christians, some of our roots come from Judaism. And in Judaism, God established for the assembling of his people. And we as Christians who have a Judeo-Christian root, we too are called to congregate as God's people. Now, the only reason why they started congregating in small groups was because they were chased out of the synagogue. They were persecuted because of this faith that they had embraced. And persecution caused them to scatter and start getting together like in in persecuted nations like they do today in persecuted nations. They started getting together in, in hidden places in small groups so that they would try to avoid, amen, being killed and be able to carry out, amen, the purpose for which God established them. And so right now there's people in other nations that wish they had what we have here. So you better be careful what you despise now because the day might come where those small groups are not going to be sufficed and you're going to wish you could come into the house of God and pray openly and get together with the people of God, amen and the more the merrier, amen and you're not going to be able to do it and even gathering in homes, amen you will be persecuted, be very careful what you despise now pagan Christianity is the name of the book. Don't buy it. (laughs) It is birthed out of a legalistic, twisted, confused interpretation of scripture. And so don't buy it. Don't read it. Let me read it. And I'll give you the warnings. It's not good. Because it's really causing confusion and causing the church to remove itself from what God intended. And now what we have is a rebellious gatherings of people that don't want to be shepherd, but that feel that they're qualified to shepherd one another. Goats so that's why it's important every time this place opens up it's important that you try to make it here because there's something that happens here that won't happen in your house there's something that happens here when we pray together that won't happen in your prayer closet there's a word that God will speak from here that you will not be able to discern it or even understand it on your own and so God brings us here together so that we can learn as a corporate body Amen? So, God surely has a thought, and so it shall come to pass. He has a purpose, and so it shall stand. Verse number 27 in that same chapter says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Now, I want you to go to Ephesians. As you keep those verses highlighted, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 12, or through 12. Ooh, I like that. Who who did that? I just heard that sound that I love. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Let's read from verse verse 7. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. It says, of this gospel, I was made a minister. Of what gospel? The gospel of who? Jesus Christ. Amen? Of this gospel, I have been made a minister. According to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to whom? Now, who did Pastor Margie say were the Gentiles? Anyone that was here last Sunday? No. We are what? We are what? We that are saved are what? She said God speaks to three different groups. Israel, Gentiles, and the We were Gentiles, meaning we belong to the nations and we come from the nations. But once we came to Christ, now we can't be classified any longer as Gentiles. Now we are the church in which there is neither Jew nor... So the Gentiles that Paul is referring here was to the nations other than the nation of Israel. So I was a Gentile, but now I am part of the church. So God speaks to Israel, and this is very important that we understand. I think you spoke about this last week, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought you mentioned something about there's parts of Scripture that are addressed to the nation of Israel, though there's spiritual teachings in them that we can apply to ourselves. But the literal writing of certain books were addressed exclusively and specifically to the nation of Israel. Then there's other writings that are addressed to the nations, to the Gentiles. And then there's other writings that are addressed to the church. Now, the whole counsel of God is applicable in one way or another. There's something that we can learn, even from the scriptures that were written to the Jews. There's something for us to learn from that. Just like I read today, the book of Isaiah, the prophecy was directed to the nation of Israel. But there is a teaching that we can apply to ourselves now. But that does not replace the original intent of God of writing that scripture and of giving that word. It was for the nation of Israel. And so, where were we? Ephesians 3, to preach, verse number 8, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, when were those unsearchable riches of Christ revealed? when was it revealed the unsearchable riches of Christ when the church was born when Christ died and he resurrected and he stood with his disciples for 40 days and he told them go to Jerusalem and they waited another 10 days and on the day of Pentecost we're gonna we're gonna be celebrating in a few in about a month or so We're going to be celebrating the Feast of the Harvest, amen, which to us is the day of Pentecost, amen, on that day the church was born. The day that Christ was crucified, the water broke. But how many know that just because the water breaks doesn't mean that the baby is birthed? There's times when the water breaks, and it takes a while before... The water breaking is simply a sign. Listen, get ready because the baby's coming. So when they stuck that, when that soldier stuck that, what was it? Spear in the side of Christ. She spoke last week. How is it that blood and water came out from the side of Christ? That was the water breaking. But the baby wasn't born yet. The baby was not ready to to come out yet there was still something that needed to occur to that baby before it could come out and manifest the unsearchable. What does it say there? Riches of Christ. With all due respect, Israel as a nation could not reveal the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I don't say that to try to make us better than Israel. I just want you to understand there's a role for Israel and there's a role for the church. Israel can't be us and we can't be Israel. Now, Jews can be part of the church if they accept Jesus as the Messiah. Then they're more than, they they become more than just a, a part of the chosen nation. Now they become part of the body of Christ. And that is that unsearchable riches and that, that mysterious or that mystery that God had kept hidden. That a nation that at one time was to be a light to the nations and could not be because they refused the day of their visitation, now they could be incorporated, amen, together with the Gentile nations, people that come from other nations. They could come together now and become one body and carry out what the nation, the earthly nation of Israel refused to carry out. That's why when they look at the church now, if we're functioning the way that we're supposed to, they should be provoked to? I don't have to become a Jew to provoke a Jew to jealousy. I have to be the church. God didn't say, listen, when the baby is born, I'm going to give him the law. Wait for the law to be given. No, no. He said, wait for the spirit to come. The promise of the father because the spirit is what brings life the law of the letter brings death and that's really the purpose of the law it was simply to signal out in the precarious predicament that we were in until Christ came that's why no one can fulfill the law To the letter of the law, amen, they all failed no matter how hard they tried, amen, they could not fulfill it. Because if someone was able to fulfill it, there would not have been a need for Jesus. So the law was simply to point to us how desperately in need we were for a redeemer, for a savior. Because in and of ourselves... And just simply following the law was not powerful enough to redeem us and to reconcile us with God. And so God reveals this hidden treasure. Amen. And He reveals this great mystery and Christ. Dies on the cross, the water bursts. amen. For 50 days later, the baby is born, known as the church, the body of Christ. Not the Roman Catholic Church, not the Episcopal Church, not the Methodist or Evangelical Church, but the body of Christ. I love the Reformation, but there's a lot of things from the Reformation that came that were not too good. A lot of good things from the Reformation, but there was other things that came out of the Reformation that instead of bringing unity, they brought segregation and in many ways dissected the body of Christ. Not because Martin Luther intended it that way or the Spirit of God as he reveals it, but because once... You know, if when God reveals something, when God does something new, if we don't stay focused on God, then we'll take whatever God gives us and was intended for good, just like the devil takes whatever was intended for evil, and t- God takes whatever is intended for evil, God turns it around for good. In the same manner, the devil could take something that was intended for good and turn it around for evil when we lose focus on God. So I'm not going to get into the, the details of what are the things in the Reformation that... Became detrimental to the body of Christ. If you want to discuss that, we could have that discussion personally. And I love the Reformation. I embrace what it brought. I embrace Martin Luther taking that stance and searching the scriptures for himself and finding out that the institution known as the church back then had veered away from what God had purposed for the church in the book of Acts. And so he took a stance, and he wrote that, what was it, 95 theses, and he put it right on the door. (laughs) They might not let me give it to to the leader, but I'm going to put it right on the door. Somebody's going to run into this, and they're going to have to see what, amen. He had the boldness, the intestinal fortitude, amen, to stand against an institution that had been corrupted, that had fallen away from its purpose. Because the Catholic Church, that's really who we are. We are the Catholic Church. What what does Catholic mean? Universal. It's when the Catholic Church married to Rome that it became corrupt. And it deviated from the purposes of God. But the true Catholic Church is sitting right here this morning. And it's sitting all over the planet. In many places this morning, the universal body of Christ, the Church of Christ, and so God is trying to bring us back into His purpose. So, so again, let's let's go back. Let's go back. So, He was sent to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is. The plan of the mystery hidden for, for ages in God, who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. I love that word, the manifold wisdom of God. If you look, that, look up that word in his original Greek, in the ancient Greek, is the word polupoikilos. 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 And what that word gives the, the idea is the idea of intricacy, complexity, great beauty. So, through the church, God was going to manifest the intricacies, the complexities, and the great beautiful wisdom of God. And not simply so that we could have the revelation for ourselves, but he was going to manifest that manifold wisdom to whom? To the rulers. What does it say there? To the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Amy Grant wrote a song one time. I think it was her, right? Angels watching over me, every move I make. Angels watching over me. That's what that means. The purpose of us being used by God as a church to bring forth the manifold wisdom of God is not simply to reach the loss, but is to serve notice. To the rulers in the heavenlies. Many have taken this verse and think that the manifold wisdom of God revealed through the church is so that it could be made known to the rulers of the earth. No, it's to, for it to be made known to the rulers in the heavenlies. What that means is that there's angels that are now discovering what for eternity they have not known. They are demons right now, fallen angels that right now are discovering what they didn't know prior to the the revelation of this manifest wisdom. And so when God operates through the church and the church is functioning in his purpose, amen, we are serving notice to heaven and to all the heavenly princes. Not only the angels of God, but also to the prince of darkness and all of his demonic forces. It is now that the enemy... That Satan is starting to get a glimpse. That's why as we get closer to the end, the attack from, from the devil becomes stronger. Because as time goes along from the birth of the church into its present moment, the enemy is starting to know things, amen, as far as God's purpose and plan that he, he didn't know prior to the church being born. And so as he discovers, amen, and he learns this manifold wisdom of God, he is trying to do everything possible to destroy it, meaning the church. Amen. So. So that through the church, ten, the church, the manifold wisdom of God might, not be, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Where's that verse that says that the gates of hell shall not prevail? Against who? Against the Gentiles? Against the Jews? No, against the church. So Satan is discovering that as time goes along. As the generations pass and we get closer to that in time, Satan is discovering that. And that's why he's angry and he's doing everything possible. Not only to destroy us as a church, but to destroy you as an individual. This was according, verse number 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In whom, verse 12, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. In other words, Paul had subjected himself to great suffering. To great affliction for the sole purpose of bringing this message of the unsearchable truths of God to the Gentiles. And as they received it, now they become the vessel through which God manifests his manifold wisdom to the rulers in the heavenlies. Boy, am I glad to be a part of that church. And so, what is the role? What is the purpose of the church? Today, Well, we find the answer in those verses. See, times have changed. People change. Generations come and go. But the purpose of the church remains the same. We can have all the new gadgets. We can have all the new modern technology. We can have all the tools that we have. We could have everything more modernized than it was back then. We can have greater and better ideas and programs than the church had back then. But we still have the same role as the early church. Why do we have the same role? Because society still has the same needs. What are the needs of society? They need a savior. What is the role of the church? To present to society that savior. What does society need? They need to be forgiven of their sins. What does the blood of Jesus do? Washes away our sins. So the church brings that message to society. What does society need? They need the Holy Spirit What has God given the church, the Holy Spirit, so that through the power of the spirit, we could take the message of this gospel that brings about transformation, not only with words, but with the manifestation of power. See, we have a generation that's addicted to intellect. But is spiritually dead. Now I am I love to study, trust you me, I love to study. I don't have a degree, I didn't go to the seminary, but I learned through my own motivation, desire, and even the Holy Spirit just giving me that desire to study and educate myself. And so I love to study. But one thing I discover: when you study alone and you don't get filled with the Holy Spirit, then you become a nut you become a head case and we have the church many times filled with nuts not in this church I think this church is I think this church is starting to we're starting to separate ourselves from that that group okay but when you only dedicate and any church that focuses solely on preaching the word but ignores the power of the spirit becomes a nut house and any church that focuses on the power of the spirit and rejects the word also become nuts because then all you have is emotionalism but no substance and emotionalism and entertainment can last for so long You need the substance, and so the Word provides the substance. The Spirit provides life. That's why you need the Word and the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And so we have a generation that's intrigued in learning, intrigued in expanding their knowledge and their intellect, but we also have a generation, even in the church, that's spiritually dying. And what happens is when we feed the mind and we starve the Spirit, then we end up becoming anything but what God purposed us to be. And we become confused, and we give in to any heretic teaching. Any false doctrine will confuse us and will draw us away from the foundational doctrines that are found in the Word of God and that are brought to life through the Spirit of God the letter kills, but the spirit, what gives life. So if you get the letter and you get the spirit, you get the intellect, you get the knowledge, but you also get the life. And it is only when you get the letter and the spirit that then you can go out And practice and be what God has called you to be, a member of the body of Christ, the church collectively, amen, to go out and do, amen, what God has called us to do, which is bring about transformation. Be people of influence, be people of impact. And so in this church, we try to give you that balance of the, the, the word, but also the spirit. Now, I know that everybody that comes here is not interested in the word. I know that everybody that comes here, you don't come here because we got, we got a great preacher that entertains you. There's people that come here because they love the worship. They love it. And Josh, that's great. I mean, it's wonderful. But then you know who comes here for that? Because those are the same people that they're sitting there and you're preaching the word, and man, their minds are all over the globe. They're spanning the globe. Tell the person next to you, come back, come back, come back. Come back, come back. Come, come, come. Come back, come back. You're missing out on something that's going to equip you and prepare you. Amen, come back. So the role of the church is to present, bring people to God, to bring people to Christ, to bring people... To experiment the power of the Holy Spirit. The role of the church is to teach people that only the blood of Christ is able to wash away their sins, that they need to be forgiven in order order to enter into proper relationship with God. And the only way they can be forgiven is when they repent from their sins and they turn to Christ, amen, and accept them. that, That is the role of the church. And so that was the role of the church in the first century that continues to be the role of the church today, amen. The role of the church is to continue to see those who are saved And I'll add it to the church daily. And so that has not changed, folks. Methods might change, but the purpose and the role of the church has not changed. All through the Word of God, you see God's perfect plan and purposes being revealed from Genesis all the way through Christ and beyond to the book of Revelation to the end of all things. Amen. You see the plan and the purposes of God being revealed. Amen. And so in the midst of all of that, God has chosen the church so that we will be the ones who would take that plan and make it known, make it available to the nations, to those that are lost, to the Gentiles, and so that is true in regards to the role of the church. When the church began, it had an active role. It was active. It was in motion. And that active role is what God expects of us even today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Pastor Margie's is going to expand more on these verses, but I'm just going to kind of go over them. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, it says, And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Those are four key elements there. If the church is going to survive, if the church is going to, amen, come back to life and fulfill its purpose, this is huge right here. The church has fallen away from this right here. And they continue continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. How could you continue in the apostles' doctrine? You learn them. You hear them. You receive them. What was the apostles' doctrine? Foundations that Christ established upon which the church was going to be built. Peter gave us what that foundation was. And that was that Jesus was the Christ. He was the promised Messiah. And upon Jesus and all of his teachings and all of his commands, the church would be built. And so that was the doctrine of the apostles. Though they were Jews, though they were Jews and they practiced Judaism as it relates to their nationality, but the gospel or the doctrines of the gospel was not to try to bring Judaism as a requirement for the faith. Amen? That's why Paul and Peter had a big clash. Because Peter and the, the majority of those first Jewish Christians, they were having a debate. What do we do now with people that are not Jews that are coming into this new faith or this new revelation. What do we do? Should they be circumcised? In other words, should they follow the requirements of the Mosaic law? Should they follow all the the 10 commandments, but also the other 613 laws that are part of the Mosaic law? Should they follow every one of them? Amen. As Jews are expected and required to follow. And so, Peter and many, many others were trying to establish that as a requirement. Paul said, no. No, that's not not the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And the word fulfillment there means he came to complete what man had not been able to complete. No man was able to complete the law to the letter. And so Jesus came to fulfill it, and now we no longer, if, if we needed to revert to the law, then we should have been bringing, amen, once a year, some animal to be sacrificed right here. But that was no longer necessary, because the lamb, the perfect lamb of God was already slain. Amen. And so that was no longer, there was, a, there was this doctrine that was hidden, it was it was there in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament now, with this new revelation, we look back and we see that much of what the Old Testament speaks of, as Pastor Margie said a few weeks ago, was a foreshadow of the reality that now became. And so, when we try to adhere to the, the to the uh, uh, um, the shadow of the Old Testament, what we do is we're still living in the shadow and rejecting the reality. So I don't know about you, but if I get a foreshadow of something great to come, once that great thing comes, guess what? I'm, 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 I'm clinging to this great thing that has come. So that's what, that's what the doctrine of the apostles was. And so they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. What is fellowship? Communion. Breaking bread, it says there. And prayers. So they felt, when we come here, we come to fellowship. When we gather together in our homes with other families, we gather to Fellowship, folks, with all due respect, fellowship is more than just playing games and, and, and having fun and watching football and and, and, and all that. That's, that's all good, and I'm not against that. I love football, and I love sports. I'm watching the NBA playoffs, man. I love all that stuff. I watch NHL hockey. I watch baseball. Amen. I'm just telling you what I do. Amen. But fellowship is not limited to that. Fellowship is that when we come together, we find a way to bless one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. That's why when we gave the instructions to this church a year and a half ago about God calling us into community and, and doing life together, it was more than just going out and having fun, folks. It was about when we come together, amen, there's got to be something in that activity that builds up our spirit. And I even gave the instructions when we invite families into our house to break bread together. The hosting family should have something already prepared that will be a blessing. Whether it's a scripture, whether it's a prayer that will bless the family that you've invited. And the family that's been invited should come also ready to bless the family that's hosting. It's more than just sitting down at the table and cutting a piece of steak and eating some mashed potatoes and corn. No, it's about us blessing one another. See the chuletas and rice and beans, that's all good, man. But that ain't gonna that's not gonna build up my spirit. Chuletas is pork shop for those that don't know. And because we don't we're not adhered to the laws of Israel, we can eat pork chops. Because Jesus told Peter, do not call cursed. What I have blessed, amen? So, so if you don't want to eat it, that's okay. You don't have to. If you're doing it for, for, for healthier reasons, that's okay. But don't judge me and don't criticize me when you see me eating my pork chop. Huh? <laughs> that's right. See me sucking on that bone, don't be judging me. You don't want to do it, that's okay. You're blessed. I'm doing it, I'm blessed too because all of that has been blessed. Don't question what you eat. Just eat it. Bless it. But the reason why we fellowship is not simply to eat. It's to build one another, to encourage one another. If you get together with a family and you make it a habit to get together among families and time goes by where you get together and you have fun and you have parties and you do fun things together, but there's no word in that gathering, there's no ministering in that gathering, then you've lost the reason for the gathering. The fellowship that the disciples, amen, kept was a fellowship of building up, edifying. So when Tharsis goes up the mountain, the trails now, before they go up, they probably do. But just in case you don't, I'm telling you, read a scripture. (laughs) Say a prayer. (laughs) When Hank goes fishing, before you take those people fishing, you get on that boat and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the boat. Thank you for the water. Thank you for the fish we're about to catch. And if we don't catch no fish. Thank you, Father, for this time that you give us together. Amen. And where we can build one. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm just using them as an example because these guys, they love to fellowship. <laughs> That's what we should do. We got to build up one another. another's purpose of fellowshipping. Breaking bread and prayer. They should be an element of prayer. When we come together, that was the doctrine. That was the purpose of the church. We have a prayer gathering here on Wednesdays from 630 to 7. Amen. Now, I encourage you guys, come. Pastor, but I get out of work late. When I started pastoring, I got out of work late. I used to work 12, 14 hour shifts and I would come, go home, sometimes not even have time to take a bath. We would take a cat bath. Not, not, that, not that way. Un pañito, un pañito tibio, you know, un pañito con jabón, you know. <laughs> Just a little rag with soap, you know, you, amen. Because I didn't have time to take a full bath and I would go sweaty. Sometimes smelly, but I needed to get to the house of God. Who in the world cares what you smell like and what you look like? Amen. We just come to the house of God to pray. Just plop on a bunch of deodorant under that (laughs) arm and, man, Spit out a little bit of cologne, amen, that would hold you until you get home. But get yourself to the house of God because there's something that happens when we pray together. That is part of the doctrines of the apostle. They came together steadfastly under the doctrine of the apostle to break bread, to fellowship, and to pray. Next week, I'm going to get into the rest of this message. We're continuing with Pastor Margie started. She's going to finish it. I'm simply the, the middle-of-the-order batter. She's going she's gonna to finish this thing because she started this thing. But next week I'm going to finish what I started today. Take this that God has spoken to us. Take it to heart. God created us to be more than just a gathering of people here on Sundays. God created us. To be the body of Christ. God created us and brought us together so that through us, he would make the manifest wisdom of God. Make it known to the rulers in the heavenlies. If you're operating in the purpose of God, the devil knows you. Demons know you. As a matter of fact, if you're operating in the purpose of God and you're part of the body of Christ and you're fulfilling your purpose and your function, you go into places that are filled and, and controlled by demonic powers and as soon as you walk in, something happens in the spirit realm. Because he didn't only give us the word, he gave us the spirit. Now, if you go into demonic places, <laughs> if you go into work and you... You lose your temper, and you become frazzled, and you want to beat up the boss, and you want to curse the boss. Amen. You're not operating. You're not functioning in the purpose that God called you. Come on. Hallelujah. If you're still going to places, and you're still cursing like you used to when you were out there, amen, you're not operating in the purpose for which God called you. And so we got to get an alignment. Come on we got to get in alignment and discover the purpose of God for us, the body of Christ, the church. And be proud. Not a a vain pride, but be proud of the fact that, that in spite of where we come from, in spite of what we've done, it pleased God to choose us so that we can carry such a great responsibility, according to our vision, to carry the glory of God from the valley to the mountains and beyond. Come on, let's take pride on that, folks. And let's start walking in that purpose. And next Sunday, we will finish this message. Bow your heads and close your eyes. As a matter of fact, there's someone this morning, in this room, who is not or has not been a part of the body of Christ, the church. I'm not talking about Rivers of Life Cybers. I'm talking about the body of Christ. If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, and therefore receive the forgiveness of your sins because you have not been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you want to make that decision this morning, definitely this is an opportunity for you to do so. Amen. If there's anyone, you could raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. There's anyone that's been in the church but is not functioning as, a chur- as the church or as part of the church, as a member of that body. You've been distracted. You've been taken away from your purpose, and your focus has been veered to the world rather than to your calling. Amen. I'm, I want to pray with you this morning. Amen. If you are that person... As everybody keeps their heads bowed, eyes closed, you can raise your hand, and I'll pray with you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let us pray. Anybody else? Everybody else in here is walking in the purpose of God. You're, You're functioning as a living member of the body of Christ. You're doing what God has called you to do, then I bless you. But if for some reason you feel that you have not met God's expectations... And God's expectations of you are not burdensome. They're not like the expectations of men. Because God provides you the will, the power, so that you can meet those expectations. If you're not walking those expectations, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. There's someone already that raised their hand. Two people. Three people. Amen. Let us all pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word that you have been bringing to this house. We thank you because it not only speaks to the people, but it speaks to us as pastors. It is bringing us back into focus. It is realigning us, God, to become the people that you have called us to be. It is helping us to acknowledge and realize that we have a great responsibility, but that with that responsibility, we have a great power made available to us. So, Father, we ask you to forgive us for allowing ourselves to be distracted And to be overwhelmed by the cares of this world to the point where we have become, oh God, paralyzed and have not functioned in the purpose for which you called us. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that we would uh, uh, come back in alignment with your purpose for us as members of the body of Christ and us collectively as the church, that we would Understand, oh God, that there's a great responsibility that the needs that existed in the first century still exists today. That there's people that need to hear the word of God. How will they know if there's no one to teach them? That need is still exists in this society, Father. And the only ones that you have equipped and that you have given them the mandate, oh God, to, to go and meet that need is the church, is us, the body of Christ. And so we pray, oh God, that you would quicken our hearts, awaken our spirits, oh God, and, and bring us to an awareness, Father God, of where we fail and not feel, oh God, guilty, but feel convicted and turn to you, God, and return to you and become, oh God, a living organism that's impacting the world, and bringing about changes, Father. I just pray in the name of Jesus, revive your body, revive the church. Jesus' mighty name. Send your spirit, oh God. Like you did in the early church, oh God, send your spirit. Give us a new baptism right now in the name of Jesus. Bring a refreshing to those lives, oh God, that have become barren, Father. And that have become fruitless, Father. Bring a refreshing right now. Pour out the water of your spirit right now. And bring life, oh God, into our souls, oh God. And make us, oh God, alive again and fruitful again. So that when you come, you would find us. Fulfilling the purpose for which you birthed us and created us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. To whom we give praise. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Come back.